Today, more than ever, we must respond to a changing world. My guest today is Thais Lopez-Bogel, climate change advocate and co-founder of Volo Foundation, a private family foundation with a mission to educate the public to create a sustainable and secure planet for generations to come. Thais, welcome to Eva Talks. Thank you, Eva. It's an honor and a pleasure to be here with you. Mine as well. Um, Thais, let's start by the beginning. You were born in Caracas, Venezuela. When and why were you inspired to become a philanthropist? I was born in Caracas, Venezuela, in a free country then, and nobody was even thinking about migrating or leaving the country for good. I I, I don't think philanthropy is something that you, you decide to do, but I remember with the ads on TV for St. Jude, uh, the kids with cancer. Right. And I was already at that time inspired. I was pledging $10 a month since I was like 12 years old. I think children's and cancer are two words that should never go together. And I was moved by that. So I remember at the beginning, back in Venezuela, just giving the little I had uh, saved $10 a month. But that's nice because those were like your first steps, uh-huh. right? As, as making your gift and you kind of do it because that's how your parents teach you in terms of helping other people. Yes, definitely. It comes from, from home. I think my father was uh, my figure, my teacher, my leader. And he always told me to help others. If you are in a fortunate we are in a situation where we can help others and we can, I think the pleasure of giving, it's a, the feeling is amazing when you do something for someone and it's very rewarding. Absolutely. I think that that's a beautiful feeling. And what steps do you take to then become a philanthropist or maybe more than a philanthropist, somebody who is going to dedicate her life to helping other people? Well, I think, like I said, I have always given a portion of what I made to the charities that align with my values, with my personal uh, beliefs. Uh, My husband's data, he's a data-driven person. He graduated at MIT, and he showed without a doubt that the climate was warming and the human uh, emissions causing the warming was going to be the most devastating um, future for our kids. That is going to be the most devastating problem that our kids were going to be affected by. So we decided to put everything in that bucket and start supporting climate change uh, programs. Uh, Our foundation also has education and health, but I think 70% of what we do goes to climate change. So it's you and your husband, David, mm-hmm. who created this organization, non-for-profit. You are based in Florida, and that's how you're really making a difference to accelerate the change and the global impact, supporting science-based climate solutions, and like you say, enhancing education and improving health. So tell me, how does it work? How does the organization work, and what are the needs of the organization? We're a family foundation, so we, like you said, we don't do fundraisings. We we were created in 2014, but it was in November 2014, so we really started functioning in 2015. 
the intention was to create a secure future for our children. I have six kids. Don't try that at home, I say. <laughs> no, 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 no. That, that, that's where you stopped me, like six kids. I mean, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. Please say that again. <laughs> yeah. So I always say my kids are my life. They're my priority. And when we noticed that on top of all problems uh, in society, climate change was the most important, uh, we decided to uh, help solve the problem. I'm a, I'm a person that believes in solutions and the solutions exist. So all we have to do is act. Uh, education and health. I think the logo of Bolo Foundation, when you go into bolofoundation.org, mm -hmm. right. uh, the logo is a circle and is uh, two people kind of like trying to help the world. And I think that's Dave and I trying to do something for the world. And I think education, health, and uh, environment uh, are all together. It's just a big circle. And when people connect the dots and they realize that all the things they they see as priorities, when you talk about the, the elections coming up, people have economy, immigration, terrorism, all these issues at the top of their chart and they don't realize they are all affected by climate change when people connect the dots and they realize that climate change drives the economy in your country just with a hurricane Irma, florida spent five billion dollars billions and they come out of our pockets so just uh, trying to fix everything that was devastated by the hurricane uh, agriculture is affected or health, one out of 10 kids in Florida suffer from asthma, and it's because of the contamination, air, air pollution, and um, immigration, all those little islands, the big hurricane uh, last year in the Bahamas, it made people leave their islands and they have to go somewhere, so that's immigration. So I think we have to connect the dots, and that's when we're gonna prioritize climate. It's so beautiful what you're doing. Tell us a little bit more about your role in the organization. Well, my husband, David, and I are the trustees. He's a very busy developing and analyzing the data. And I manage the team. Uh, we started with a team of four people and we have grown to 10. We have people in communication. We try to share our knowledge and our science through Instagram and Facebook, and, and now it's Twitter, and definitely a, a, a team of all women, but my husband, no. <laughs> 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 so uh, I'm trying to empower women here. No, we have one or two men around there, but it's, 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 uh, now it's 10 women, and we are doing, I think as mothers, we feel this is personal, so I think we work with passion and every time you are, you enjoy what you do, you're going to do it right. Right. Absolutely. It really uh, sounds simple, but it's No, 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 no. I don't <laughs> think it's simple. I think you're making it sound very easy, um, but it's not easy. It's, it's challenging. And, and that would be kind of my follow-up question because, you know, when you are, you're thinking about getting this organization this foundation up and running and now you're looking backwards and you're seeing okay you know those early stages of developing the 
Gaze Foundation. And there are many people out there that want to do something similar and they want to, they want to help, they want to create a, a foundation, they want to do this. What would be the most important piece of advice that you would share with them based on what you experienced with Volo Foundation? I think the most important thing is uh, partner with highly, in our case, uh, better scientific, humanitarian and educational nonprofits because that was our mission. So you have to clarify your mission first and then partner with these NGOs and you can find them on our website. And I always direct people to the NGOs website because they have the unbiased, correct data that we feel comfortable with sharing. So we're very careful to stay away from media bias or programs with hidden agendas. Most people uh, equate climate change and global warming with a political agenda. So it's very important to us that we're sharing what the numbers and the math says versus what people say. People can embellish a little bit, but numbers don't lie. So we try to be very objective on that. And I think that's a strength. Uh, so when people want to put something together, they have to be very coherent with the numbers, with the data that is really backing up what they're saying and doing. Um, it's incredible because last year you were named one of the 100 most influential Latinos committed to climate action by Sachamama. This is an organization that I'm part of the board and I, I love all of them. And, and I think that's incredible that you were recognized for your work. And Sachamama for people that's, that don't know is a nonprofit organization building support for 100% clean energy economy um, for all sustainable attitudes, behaviors, and lifestyles within the Latino community. You're also a member of the Tiffany Circle at the American Red Cross, a board member for Water People Theater in Chicago. You participate in several local community-focused committee groups in the Palm Beach area. I'm already tired, um, <laughs> but I think it's phenomenal. And I say tired in a good way because it means that you've earned all the positions you hold and that all these positions that sound um, very accomplished come with a lot of good work to help communities. So tell us a little bit more about these efforts that you're doing as a Latina working to mitigate climate change. Well, I think when, like I said before, when you do things with passions, you don't get tired. You just, you just keep going. And as Latino, we, we I, I tell everybody, we're super women. We were, we're resilient, we're dedicated, and we, do, we will sacrifice absolutely anything for our kids. When I see the future of my kids in danger, we have to adapt. The hurricanes are going to be more devastating. The heat is going to be, we have one of our programs or one of the research says that we're going to have over 100 days in Florida with temperatures higher than 100 degrees. I mean, they're going to... Uh, they're not gonna have the quality of life that we did. And I feel responsible, and I feel like I have to live a better life for them and not a worse one. So when we, when you work with someone in your mind with a clear mission, it's easy to do it. You don't get tired, you, you keep going. Tell us a little bit about the objectives, short term, that you're working on at Volo Foundation to be able to prevent that these uh, you know, situations happen to our climate? I think the 
objective is to let people know the reality. Right now we have an amazing initiative that we are launching. Actually, today we launch is these statues that melt in five days. The statue is, uh, for example, it's gonna be a grandfather and a kid sitting on a bench with an ice cream and the statue is gonna be melting in five days because, and we're gonna have it at the Museum of, Museum of Science in Orlando, in Tampa. We just wanna face the reality with people of how climate is changing and how harmful that can be. We wanna create awareness, but most important, we wanna tell people, Latinos, it doesn't matter. Climate change is not gonna discriminate. Climate change, just like COVID, is gonna hit us all. And it's not gonna see your color, your social status. It doesn't matter. We're all gonna uh, be affected by it. So you have to create awareness and you have to tell people that we hear you, that your voice counts, that you have to talk about it. You have to vote, not only on the presidential uh, elections, in every election, in your community, in the HOAs, in the PTA at school, you have to get involved and you have to talk and you have to not see the climate as a political issue. Climate is not red or blue, like I said, it's green. It's gonna affect us all. I'm always surprised by people that I know. I mean, these are close friends, not many, fortunately. But there are a couple that have um, been very direct in telling me climate change does not exist. What would be your suggestion in terms of educating people? Because I don't think confrontation really works. It's kind of educating them. What would be your advice? What would be the talking points that you would suggest to somebody like me? When I'm talking to, to, to a friend and someone who really believes wholeheartedly that is there's nothing wrong and it's an invention and and everybody's exaggerating i think like like i said well first of all we have to believe in science if scientists are uh, already agreed that the what we're putting on the on the atmosphere the co2 the fossil fuel is causing the heat to go higher therefore the sea level is rising therefore the air is, uh, the seasons are changing, therefore the, uh, the allergy season is longer, people are having more asthma. Just confront them with the reality. Do you remember years ago, I remember when I moved to, to Orlando in 1994, and for, oh, for years, for Halloween, all our costumes and my kids' costumes were long sleeve costumes. Nowadays, you can barely be dressed for Halloween or trigger train because it's hot. I remember Christmas where I had to wear gloves. So if you put it in front of them, like, oh my, I think they go back and they say, that's true. It, it, it has, it's, it's hotter nowadays. It is hotter. It's a, it's a reality. <laughs> it's a reality. You can't deny it. No, 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 no. There's no way. I mean, I, I've been living in Miami on and off 30 years. And absolutely 100%, it's it's hotter. We have more aggressive hurricanes. I mean, I remember back then, before Andrew hit us, uh, hurricanes for us was an excuse not to go to school and have barbecues. Definitely. And so then Andrew came and we were like, oh, well, um, here is reality. But after Andrew, I think we've seen how, how aggressive, and, and you look, I mean, you see it at the beach. 
I mean, I live in an island where there is a beach and I've seen the erosion of the beach. I mean, there, there's some things you just can't really avoid, right? And I think that we all have to be conscious of what's the world that we're leaving to future generations. Mm-hmm. So, so tell me more about yourself in the terms of what do you love the most about what you do? I mean, you sound like such a passionate and fun-loving yeah. person. Um, but what is it that you would say you love the most? Well, the, the, the fact that I wake up every day with a purpose to leave the world better than how I found it. And doing this, I'm also showing my children they can use their voice for something bigger in the world. I think teaching my, sh- my children, uh, and I teach them, not telling them, because let me tell you, kids do as they see, not as you tell them. <laughs> so <laughs> I feel like they see me going to work. My little ones are six-year-old twins. And my, my daughter, when I tell her, baby, I have to go to work, she tells me, oh, you have to save the environment. And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so she already sees me as a superhero because I'm saving the environment. But um, I think my role as a mother, um, I love it. I love having kids, therefore I have. But, and, I, and I have dogs. And, and I think we, my generation, our generation, focus too much in having Harvard students, MIT kids, a, a driven, driven, driven academy, and we forgot humanity, we forgot kindness, we forgot helping each other, and that's what I, I want to change too. At my age, for after everything I've learned, I think that nothing is more important than being kind, than helping others, and in, in, in the reward that you that you feel it's it's invaluable i i couldn't agree more with you i think that we're living through a crisis of human values mm-hmm. and we have to go back to the basics but i just got stuck on the six kids and the dogs and going to work because today <laughs> and, and i have to say this because of course you're laughing you sound you know high spirits and and you know sometimes it's it's hard i mean and mm-hmm. and they're not everybody has the capacity to get organized and they feel awkward and they hear somebody like you speak and and then they're like okay so what am I doing wrong I mean maybe I don't even have a child or I have one what would be your suggestions um and not only to women to I mean single parents out there to people that are trying to manage and and how to balance everything I always say, don't don't look. The, the grass is not greener on the on the other side. Uh, as long as you love yourself, as you love your family, as you put everything on what you're doing, you're gonna be fine. It doesn't matter if you have kids, if you have six, if you have twelve, or if you have none. You have to be okay with yourself in order to do okay to society and out there and work and get organized. So I think mental health is important nowadays in the days of COVID and and, in the things that we never expected to happen. And I think unfortunately the pandemics are not gonna stop. I think that at the end of the day, nature say, you know, stop right there. Uh, You're going too fast. You're not seeing what's important in life. You have to spend more time in your house with your family. You have to prioritize. Now we realize that we can work from afar. Now we realize that riding a bike, enjoying a park is good. And we have more time for that. And I think as bad as I 
feel for the lives lost uh, for COVID. Uh, nowadays, the Venice Canal can see a clear waters because they haven't had that many tourists. People in India can see the top of the Himalayas because contamination and pollution for the, 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 the aircrafts is not as much. We can see in Miami the Sierra fish, which we thought it was an extinction, and now we can see them. So I feel like nature gave us a wake-up call. And I always say the COVID is just a rehearsal for climate change, and we have to come out of these better human beings. Definitely. I'm curious, what person has had the most influence on you and your life? I'm going to talk like a little girl, but my father. <laughs> I think, uh, and he's not with us anymore, but what he left, and what he left me is uh, a legacy of um, responsibility, work hard for what you want, always keep your head up, and, and it, it's just uh, be good. It's simple. Life is a lot simpler than we make it, you know? And, and just do the right thing. Um, I don't know, my dad was a lover of animals. He was a very humble person. And he was tough, but he was full of love. And that's how I remember him. <laughs> and that's beautiful that you had a parent that, you know, had so much influence. And, and that's the influence that you're leaving on your kids at the end of the day with all the work that you're doing. And just being, you know, the definition of a good person is, is so bizarre because somebody feels that they are good, but what they're doing might not be good. But if you have empathy, you have... Um, Empathy, you have that, that's yeah. so important. You have that love. Yeah. And, and you have the humility to even admit your mistakes, which I think we all have to recognize what mistakes we've made. And like you say, the COVID and this pandemic has really grounded a lot of people. And, and hopefully we have learned to slow down mm-hmm. and to take things at a different step. Um, what is your personal and, and professional life philosophy? <sighs> Don't bring me the problems, bring me the solution. <laughs> I say it at home and I say it at work. You know, the past is past. We're going to start from here. And I say it at home when the kids are fighting. And he did it, you did it. I'm like, I don't care. Well, how are we going to solve it? So you already broke the plate. How are we going to solve it? How are we going to stop this fighting? And at work, the same. I don't want to hear what we did wrong. How are we going to fix it and that's why i'm so optimistic when we talk about climate because i see we have the solutions i i always we have the climate correction i think uh, that was that's a big conference i think that was the turning point from bolo being the little bolo and becoming big is a conference that we did in orlando and it was uh, we have speakers nationwide and it became the the big thing, but it, it was about solutions. And I think the slogan was something like, uh, we're not talking about denying climate change anymore. That that has been solved. Now we're gonna talk about solutions because the problem is here and we have to solve it. And the good news is that we have the technology, the tools, everything is out there. We just have to act. That's why government and, and everybody has to speak up. And, and try to do what's best for the community, for the nation, for the global, for the whole world. 
Right. If people that now are listening to us and they want to know more or they want to see how they can help, um, what would be your suggestion? What would you ask of them? Speak up. Talk about it. You start talking at your dinner table with your family. What can we do about climate change? Why don't we change the light bulbs? Why don't we stop using plastic and we use the reusable? And talk about climate change as a topic, as the crisis and as a problem, just like you talk about everything, the news you see on TV. I ask the journalists, the media, to talk about climate as the crisis that it is, put it on TV as they put so many other crises. And, and if we talk at home, then we're gonna start talking with our community, then we're gonna start talking nationwide, and there's gonna be global, we're gonna create the awareness that is needed for climate to be, this problem to be solved. Do you remember the ozone hole that was years yeah. ago? Yes. We did it. We solved it. You didn't hear about it anymore. NRDC, a great uh, foundation. We, we have the technology. We advance every day. I believe in, in the smart people that we graduated on these great uh, universities. They have the tools. So let's do something about it. Well, hopefully we can do it. Um, and like you say, bring those solutions to the table and that people cooperate and they understand that this is a reality. What do you think that it's stopping, you know, because we have all the resources to make it a change. What is it that doesn't allow it to happen? I think when you have a problem that is intangible, I mean, you don't see climate change. Maybe I won't see the solutions in my lifetime, but you, so you freeze. You kind of like, okay, this is such a big problem that I'm not going to be able to do anything. And I think that people tend to look away because, like you said, it's a big problem. But like I said, if you if you participate, if you talk, if you investigate, if you go on our webpage, if you look at the videos, if you educate yourself, you, it's, not, it's not that hard. It's a very simple problem. And it, we just have to transition to renewables as, as a society. Uh, it's going to be good for the economy. It's going to be good for our health, for for, for the, the mother nature. So um, we, we don't have to live like this. For every, every degree of warming waters, the hurricanes that are coming are gonna be higher in category. If for the wildfires in California, the droughts in, in, in Texas. So we need to really um, uh, come together as, uh, as a human beings and, and do what's right for the earth. Definitely. You have such passion and drive and um, I always end up all the podcasts with a message of yes, yes you can and, and we can do everything that we want. I think my life story has been a reflection of that and uh, that you can achieve anything you want if you put in just a dedication and, and I think you have that energy and that mission in, in your heart. I think when your heart drives decisions and drives a mission, um, then everything works out very well. So tell me, what it what does Yes You Can mean for you? I like Yes We Can. I think <laughs> when we are integrated, we are uh, 
better than the whole is better than the sum of the parts like Aristotle once says but that's metaphysic and you don't want to go there <laughs> I think yes we can we as inclusion we as together we as collaboration it means volo uh, we approach education health and climate change with passion and dedication yes we can correct climate and create a better world well, that's so beautiful. Thais, thank you so much for your time and for sharing the story and for working day and day out on, on making sure that there is uh, more things to be done to correct and save uh, our climate and our planet. It is where we live and it's our future. So thank you so much thank and congratulations. You for